Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, friends and family. How are you doing today? I don't know why. Why do I do that? Why do I ask as if I'm going to get a response? I don't know. I don't even have my mic ready. I'm just <laughs> all in the right spot. When the camera came on, the mic was over here. Oh, geez. Maybe, maybe I'm just getting ready for when we do a talk show live or something like that. And right. I can really have interaction with people, you know. know. I think it works though. You know, they may be watching it and it may be a month old, but you like, hey, hi, friends and family. Like, he called me family. Yeah, you know, and it's saying hi back, right? Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, I just I just have some stage presence and performance background, so it just comes out naturally. Hey, it's all good. So, I appreciate it. Anyways, hi, friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's your host Ray Tucker and Jay Jones. Yeah, we're here again with uh, the, uh where where we stand, and we're gonna explain where we stand on certain issues um of culture from a christian perspective or christian worldview in a black perspective right 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 um one thing we want to do is caution our viewers because we're going to continue our we're going to continue our conversation on sexual immorality we want to caution our viewers and listeners that this that this is an adult topic and is not suitable for small children while we take a strong stance against violence either physical or verbal towards anyone struggling with sexual immorality in all its forms and there's no biblical mandate that encourages violence towards anybody so today we're going to continue on on the topic on sex but talking about the culture of rape especially here in america we're going to talk about we got we got a lot of points to hit so it's kind of going to be a lengthy episode but but just just rock with us we got some good things here and um something that's going to challenge some people and something that's going to encourage others right Mm -hmm. um but yeah we talk about toxic culture in america we're going to apply some biblical wisdom we're going to talk about sexual agency and what that means we're going to talk about objections to me too movement Mm -hmm. from and and again we're going to get to this some people are already probably offended but we're going to talk about this all right we're going to go over some conclusions and then that we can draw from the text and then again provide some more sexual assault resources right so talk but first up toxic culture in america you know one thing we do want to say yes there is a toxic culture in america and we are not here to invalidate it we're not here to minimize it you know we're also not here to validate conspiracy theories so you're not going to hear that from us not today all right so we're definitely not going to get into not even going to mention some of them like not going to not going to get into that right now um but yeah jump right into it every 68 seconds an american is sexually assaulted let that sink in for a second Think about taking a moment of silence just for that, just so you can just understand the gravity of that statement. Every 68 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. 98% of rapists will never spend a day in jail. That's sickening. You know, that's, that's horrible. And if you don't believe this, then you need to expand your perspective by watching documentaries and listening to stories of rape survivors. Let's start off from the top. Surviving R. Kelly. Man, look. Our community, black community, has a bad habit of defending bad behavior in the name of blackness. This is not where the race card should be applied. Not at all. You know, there is videos... You know, I saw the YouTube video one day, right? I forgot who sent it to me. 
the one guy was all talking about, oh, why are we going on in R. Kelly right now? You know, you got all these white people over here who raping children and stuff like that. And why don't they catch them first? Why are you going after R. Kelly? La, 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 la. I'm sitting here like. Really? Okay. Do you understand what you're saying right now? So, okay. So point number one, when you say stuff like that, what you're really saying is. You know, if you're all about blackness, what you're really saying is let's give the white girls, you know, justice before we give the black girls justice. So how much longer should the black girls wait? See how contorted this gets? It just sounds foolish. And it, it again, <laughs> having this conversation with you, it kills our uh, movement to try to uh, seek um, justice. You know, when we say stuff like that. That, that that about that that'll give somebody some ammo to say see look at what they saying over here yeah it's nonsensical exactly we don't affirm stuff like that over here no not in this camp no. you know because the point is it's like okay shouldn't all girls receive justice all the time equally yeah like that's to be the goal Absolutely. of course it doesn't happen like that but that's the goal Absolutely. right but what you're trying to do is you're trying to move the goalpost right yep. you know and in this manner in this instance no it doesn't really when it comes to justice in general it's there there the goalpost should be justice for all all the time right. and that's just, that's that's what we should be striving for mm-hmm. all the time does it always happen does it always happen of course not you know we're, we're imperfect beings and imperfect country all countries are imperfect but we're not gonna go too deep into that but one thing i just wanted to make sure i definitely touched that point of we're not gonna sit here we're never gonna sit here and defend somebody's bad behavior just because they're black just because of contributions to the to the community you know i'm like yeah there are some good r kelly songs you know like i believe i can fly Mm -hmm. right for instance right and a few others you know out there but the point is, you know, he's making these songs, but at the same time abusing women. All right. You have to be able to separate people's, um, their ethics and their art mm-hmm. or the things that they have done and the things that they have done wrong. And again, the artwork. And so that just, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, they, the viewers can probably see my face since it's yeah, it, it, stone face. Cause <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't want to curse them out on air but uh <laughs> have, have your shock off air and then we'll come in the right tone but yeah it's 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 a bad look when we just get off now now it is a bit of a gray area when you talk about you know okay someone did something mm-hmm. but it's not reflected in their artwork mm-hmm. right they did something in real life but the artwork represents a different ideal Mm -hmm. right now that's kind of a gray area and i don't know if i even want to tackle that to be honest you know that's really up to your own conscience you know if you feel like what this person did in their personal life if you feel like you don't want to support them you know because there is material support right when you're streaming their songs and buying their songs and you are money is power so when you are buying their stuff you are empowering them to a certain degree right so so you're gonna have that wisdom but again it's up to your own conscience and whether if you want to step in name of love or not right i'm not gonna sit here but (laughs) you know i mean me personally real talk me personally i'm not doing it you know, <laughs> man, you start thinking about his music. My mind's telling me no. <laughs> like, uh, wait a minute, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, age and nothing but a number. Oh, mm-hmm. wow, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. It was there the whole time. It was there the whole time. Man. The Pied Piper mm. under our noses the entire time. But again, I don't want to spend too much time yeah. talking about one person. Exactly. Because there's so much material to cover in this episode. So mm-hmm. got a little bit down a down a rabbit trail there, but a necessary one though. Um but this other movie here uh, Oh man. But um this this other um documentary here on the record. So this is where Drew Dixon, if you don't know her story, Drew Dixon was a record executive at Def Jam, at the height of Def Jam. She was instrumental at putting um Method Man and Mary J together for all I need, mm-hmm. you know, and that that record was huge record. You know, she was a force behind that record and many others too, to her credit. So it's not like 
she's a groupie, right? right. She's an executive, a powerful woman in her own right, mm-hmm. smart, intelligent in her own right, yep. you know. But she, when she was abused, she didn't even want to come forward at first. Right. Why? Because she saw what happened to Anita Hill. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. She saw what happened to Anita Hill and how her name was dragged to the mud. Mm-hmm. So she was like, well, it's nothing going to happen, you know, so what's the point? You know, powerful man, I go on being powerful man, and and now I'm going to be in a public light, in a negative light, if I come forward. Right. Well, and lose lose my job. Yes, you know, <laughs> and, and other things, and and compromise the career and stuff like that. And she she did actually take a break from hip hop, mm-hmm. you know, doing what she loved to do, what she was extremely good at, mm-hmm. right? But here, she said something in this documentary that stuck with me that I never quite. I mean, of course, I'm not raped, so I never thought of it this way, right? Um, She said, she said that, um, so I'm going to say what she, I'm going to try to paraphrase what she said, and then I'm going to say what I took away from that, right? right? She said something along the lines of when the victim has to retell the, the grossness of that event, to the listener, the listen now the listener is hearing that grossness from the victim, mm-hmm. right? And what 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 stood out to me was a noteworthy thing happens when sorry I got something in my eye over here. A noteworthy thing happens psychologically to the listener when the victim must recount the disgustingness of her ordeal. The filth of the event is now coming out of the victim's mouth. Mm -hmm. So the listener listening for the first time is now shocked and traumatized by the victim. Mm -hmm. Right. Which then causes the listener to posit malfeasance to the victim Mm -hmm. instead of the perpetrator. Why? Because. Yeah. Because the perpetrator had the right to remain silent. Yes. So he's sitting over there looking pretty and clean mm-hmm. while this disgusting, nasty event is coming from the victim. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of men, or mostly men, but sometimes women too, right. tend to respond by asking questions that po- that posit causality to the victim. Mm-hmm. Questions such as, where were you? Mm-hmm. What were you doing? Mm-hmm. What were you wearing? Mm-hmm. All right? And it's because we're trying to defend ourselves. We're trying to rationalize why we feel a certain way now we feel disgusting Mm -hmm. and you made me feel this way Mm -hmm. when it's not the victim's fault at all that's what's going on psychologically and we don't even realize it Mm -hmm. wow all that just came from watching that movie watching that documentary so i tell people get perspective Mm -hmm. you know like listen to the stories so that you can especially christians Mm -hmm. so that you can love people better you can minister better Mm -hmm. you know you can't you can't help you can't restore something that that you don't know is broken and we're gonna get into that on on talking about survivors of rape um as though those questions i was you were raped but what were you wearing does it matter what i was wearing doesn't matter (laughs) you know i was in a denim skirt so what what now I had on tights and a long shirt. I was I was in my work pants. So what? What does it matter? Right. <laughs> you know. So we asking you these questions because this uh, person over here won't admit uh, that they raped you. They know the story. Is that, oh yeah, she wanted it. Uh, oh, I ain't nothing wrong. So what you can do if a victim comes forward is to first reaffirm them and validate them. Yes. Listen to their story. Mm-hmm. Don't ask questions. Um, just listen. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're in a position of power, launch an investigation. Right. You know, like immediately. Don't delay. Don't sit on your hands. Don't be like, oh, well, boys will be boys. Until it's your daughter. Mm. I'm not going to move on. Mm-hmm. So um, another um, documentary, Confirmation, just talks about Anita Hill giving her testimony of sexual harassment against Justice Clarence Thomas. And, and initially, she didn't even want to give her testimony. Again, there's so many women suffering in silence. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they know nothing is done. Mm-hmm. They know nothing happens. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, we were just watching that uh, that Epstein. I keep saying his name. <laughs> Epstein. Epstein. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. But those young girls that he was uh, molesting who were afraid to come forward and then eventually 
those two girls or at least the sister did come forward and go say nothing and nothing was done nothing happens the fbi and nothing was done. nothing happens and then it's like well if nothing's gonna happen why report why waste my time what a slap to the face nothing happened i'm not gonna get no justice and this man's gonna continue doing what he's doing we we we, we as men don't even understand we're trying Right. It's why we're doing this podcast. Right. It's why we're doing this show because we are trying. We're trying to do better. We want to be a champion for women. Heck, Jay about to have a girl. Yeah, you know, daughter. And I, I'm not about to have a Peter complex and say what I will do in a, in a certain situation. And then, right. <laughs> but um, but yeah, moving on. <laughs> so now this one is really insidious. Here mm-hmm. we talk about Larry Nasser, Larry Nasser, right? You know, both of these um, documentaries talk about the same um, same individual and his grossness, right? right. So, this man, um, if you don't know, he was the medical doctor for the Olympic um, USA Olympic gymnastics for a number of years. Um, I don't remember exactly how many years, but he affected probably thousands of girls. You know, if not almost tens of thousands of girls, probably at this point. Um, so basically. The main thing I want to get at was that really stood out to me in this documentary. The one I, I didn't get a chance to watch Netflix one yet. I watched the um, HBO one, but um, what this man was doing, he groomed parents so well that he was able to abuse girls while the parents were in the room. Holy stinking cow! Like. That's a whole nother level of just insidiousness, right? We tend to have a very narrow idea of who a sexual predator is. Mm-hmm. One thing I do want to say is do, we do not underestimate the power a charming personality can have in the grooming process of not only the victim, but of the loved ones surrounding a victim. This guy groomed everybody. He explained the procedure to the parents, talking about, oh, I'm going to place my hands in their private, around their private areas and stuff like that. And the parents went, oh, okay. You know, and so when a, when a child, you know, rightfully so, when a child responds and told the parent, like, oh, he's, no, he's abusing me, the parent then defends him. They've already been deceived. They've already been indoctrinated. They've already been deceived. They've been indoctrinated. They've been groomed. You know, they're like, oh, no, 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 daughter. You misunderstand. He's a doctor. And the thing about it is he was actually good at actual being an actual medical doctor. Right. He got him right. He, he I mean, he helped them win gold medals. Yes, he did. So he did enough of what he's supposed to do to hide what he, the filth that he was doing. Right. So that's why there was this cognitive dissonance going on in the mind of parents and in the mind of officials and everyone else. I'm like, well, he's a doctor and he's helping people win gold medals. I mean, America's winning gold medals. Right. He's doing something right. Mm-hmm. He's doing something good. Right. So how can he be this predator? How does he even have the time to be this predator? Right. When people ask the question, like, hey, he's not. But then you realize you get in the documentary and realize these girls are going over to, you know, and it, it, it didn't just it didn't just stop there on in the in the in the gym when they're in the medical um, in the um, in the room. You know, the, these people, these girls ended up going to his house to get treatment, you know, in his basement. Wow. Doing this procedure that I'm not going to repeat right now on air. Wow. You know, go watch the documentary. Wow. And what a sick man. It, wow. I'm telling people, get perspective because you do not know what is going on. There's one woman breaks my heart. You know, the whole thing breaks my heart. But there's one woman, you know, they estimated, you know, over the time that she was practicing gymnastics mm-hmm. under his reign, that she was molested well over 800 times. Uh, yeah. Uh. Get perspective, yeah. especially if you're a Christian. So that you can know and be able to help people and have compassion towards people. That's really what we're trying to get at entirely with this episode is like we need to have compassion towards people. Right. We got to arm ourselves and protect ourselves from stuff like this. That's why it's so important to be in the word It's living and active 
It, these, it, it kind of reminds me of, I was telling you Galatians, where he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And that's what you see this man doing. And it, it gets to the point where you start to believe something that is not true. Yes. You got these people to believe that he was doing these procedures. And if, watch the documentary, but the things he was doing, in our minds, it would be like, I would never let that happen. How, no. How is that even no. permissible? How, how did that, how did I allow that? There was, you know, one father who didn't believe his daughter mm -hmm. when she came forward. Mm -hmm. You know, she was a preteen teenager, didn't believe her, mm -hmm. you know, talking about, oh, you crazy this or whatever. I don't know what, what he called her, right? She didn't reveal all that. You know, she basically said the relationship was rocky, right? And she had to um, distance herself from her dad because of that, because he was defending him. He was defending this monster, right? Um, I think it was after she turned 18 or around the time she turned 18, the, some of the news started to come out about what he was doing, mm -hmm. right? And, and how he got arrested in the rain and stuff like that. And they tried to patch up their relationship. This father ultimately ended up tragically committing suicide because apparently he couldn't handle the idea of I walked my daughter right into his hands. We need to be vigilant. Yes, we do. Period. We'll go more in depth on how to spot grooming practices in the episode on human trafficking, because that, that is coming up too. You know, um, so stay tuned for that. But I'm gonna move on from this because that just that breaks my heart. We're gonna talk about um again, we're just laying out how toxic and pervasive rape is in our country right really around the world but we're americans so we're gonna start here you know because judgment comes to the house of god first right so at the same time we can't go around judging everybody else if we don't judge ourselves right. and hold ourselves accountable mm -hmm. all right so we're talking about american culture you know this these documentaries audrey and daisy and um again just get more perspective you know there, there's people children committing suicide because of cyberbullying that happens after a sexual assault. So it's not just like it's 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 much more pervasive and much more insidious than just throwing salt on a wound. Mm -hmm. It's okay, you did this act and then you're parading it around to everyone inside their known world. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're a child, first of all, your brain isn't even fully developed to your twenty. You know, on average, mm -hmm. to your 20. So you're talking to about a children who prefrontal cortex isn't even fully developed. Right. They're not allowed, they're not allowed, they're not able to make proper decision make, making from an adult standpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, so that sometimes people look at cyberbullying and stuff like that. Oh, why would you do that? Why would you go? I'm like, because they don't know no better. Mm -hmm. Have some compassion on people. Mm -hmm. yep. Right. And that's what these documentaries help illustrate and bring that to the forefront of mental health and how and how and why people make certain decisions. Um, but, yeah, that's all I want to say about that for now, because right. it again, it breaks my heart when you actually read, the, listen to these stories, you know, and also it gives you ideas on what to pray for. A lot of times people ask me, like, oh, what should I pray for? I'm like, oh, my God, get some perspective. There's so much to pray for. We could start with Afghanistan right now. The time is recording, you know. But beyond that, there's so much to pray for. Like, <laughs> we should not be able to go 15 minutes in our day without praying for something. Like, there's, something there's, there's something to pray for. Yeah, I had to come to that uh, reality. Where it said pray without ceasing. Oh man. Obviously that doesn't mean that twenty four hours you just constantly in prayer. Some people have come to that conclusion that I know, but at the same time, there's always something to pray for. There's always something to pray if for. Being vigilant and paying attention, then you'll find something to pray for. Just ask. Like I'll give you something. I'll always give you something. I got a lot of stuff you can pray for me. I, uh, <laughs> so one of the things we wanna um illustrate some caution for christians right and we're going to ephesians 4 11 through 16 reading again from the new living translation just because i like the way this one reads to the audience um by the way i do most of my studying in the new king james version just fyi i know i want to get some questions about that 
I'm an ESV guy. <laughs> like the new King James version. As long as you get that strong concordance too, because I got, I do have the ESV with strong concordance too, so I can look up the words, stuff like that. I'm anyways, a linear nerd. <laughs> <laughs> we'll about we're we're, we're going to get into that a little bit of sidebar. Yeah. Anyways, Ephesians four eleven sixteen. Now these are the gifts. Gifts. Now, and again, I have to read this entire thing for context because I feel like I, I want to put more weight towards the second half of this passage. But I feel like if I just read the second half of it, you, you're going to miss the con the proper context. We always say so, context is key. Context is imperial. Um, now, these are the gifts of Christ. These are the gifts Christ gave the, to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we would no longer be immature like children. Now here's the, here's the kicker right here. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Mm. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love so why are we talking about this mm. all right because one of the main things you want to caution christians now again if you're not a christian then obviously some of this might go over your head but we do hope that you hear some of this and able to apply some of this so first of all, we believe that we have the gift of teaching, and as teachers, it is our responsibility to equip God's people to do the work, to be mature in their thinking, mm -hmm. right? There's so many times, I don't know if I was doing it for this episode, but I was just looking up how many times in scripture does it tell us to know certain things, right. you know, so that we might know this, so we might know that, you know, if you become my disciples, you will know the truth. Mm -hmm. The truth shall set you free. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never, the Bible never calls us to blind faith. Calls us to knowledge in the Son. Mm -hmm. All right? Absolutely. The Great Commission, uh, he says, Go out, therefore, and make disciples of men, teaching them to observe all that yes. taught you. And yes. Them. And it's so important when I look at this text, it just reminds me how far removed we are from what we're supposed to be doing. You see words like knit together, uh, body, growing together, reaching yep. a point of maturity. We all have a part to play, but we're supposed to be holding each other by the hand and coming to that point. Amen. But we can't even get people to get in the word. We can't even just take oh, the time man. to get in the word. And so then it does become a. Uh, but you got time for Y2K. Yeah. <laughs> it comes a part of that. And uh, <laughs> NBA 2K, I mean. Right. But you know what I mean. Toss to and fro. I mean, and that, um, that, that, when you look at, and we've been looking at this in a discipleship group, I mean, spiritual maturity. The, the young man, it says that you have overcome the evil one because you know God's word. Yep. The older man, it says, or the father says that you know him who is from the beginning. Then it says the child, you know him from a yes. standpoint. No, 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 no. You, th There's a no. <laughs> and so we are to grow in that knowledge, and that does keep us from being deceived. That also keeps us... Uh, from having a lack of compassion for people. Yes. Something we're talking about here. I mean, it's just so important, man. We we as a church, we have to really get back to the manuscript. We really have to get back to what we're supposed to be doing. And it, it's going to start with getting in the word. We have to equip ourselves so yes. we don't fall into things. Like yes. That. So when you're equipped, it, when, when, when you're properly equipped, then when you... 
when these movements come along and some of which are rooted in nobility they have a they have noble roots mm -hmm. but then they smuggle in doctrines that are corrosive yeah. to the christian believer yeah. and we do believe that the me too movement is a good movement overall and that this conversation needs to happen again we're not here to invalidate what's going on that's right. why we went through those couple of slides first and talking about what's going on in our culture because mm. we want to lay the foundation of like we are listening we understand what's going on mm. but at the same time from a christian worldview these are some of the things that we see you know so we see the movement me too movement attempts to address rape culture but misses the mark in a few biblical key areas because it's not founded on biblical principles you know but it's it's merely response to culture Right. Therefore, we need to we want to caution the Christian to be very careful when joining movements that you don't get swept away by every wind of doctrine. Yes. Right. And we see even Barnabas. This happened to Barnabas in Galatians two thirteen. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, we just we just highlighted that in Ephesians four fourteen that you tossed around with every wind of doctrine, basically just led astray. Yeah. Uh, a good rule of thumb, and um, I talk to Raymond about this all the time, is um, filtering uh, everything through the Word of God. Yep. That way we can uh, chew the meat, spit out the bone. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some uh, movements that... Uh, Don't eat the bones. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Go ahead. Trust me, man. My uh, mother-in-law, she uh, makes a good catfish, and it has bones in it, and mm. you got to be careful, man. I'm pulling bones out, and... I stuck myself so mm -mm. yeah don't eat the bones but um uh, black lives matter for example i i definitely agree with the sentiment and uh the the idea of um justice but at the same time there are some things within it that um like no i can't stand with that so when you filter it through a a, a biblical uh worldview and through the bible then you do protect yourself from that. yeah and we know those questions are coming so when the episode is coming we're gonna we're gonna it, and it definitely won't just be one episode because because no. there's so much content there but uh kind of a sidebar there we will get we'll get into that you see but we're not gonna leave you hanging so how does the me too movement define rape culture and this is straight from their website Right, so rape culture is what they believe, right? Mm -hmm. So rape culture, and I got some things highlighted, and I'm going to go into that a little bit, but I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to get into that. So rape culture is the systems, beliefs, and behaviors rooted in patriarchy that allow for its prevalence in society. Remember that rape culture goes beyond an act of sexual violence. It can be also it can also be subtle and live in the ways we think, speak. An act that ultimately undermine our autonomy and consent. Now, if you're listening on the podcast, did you notice some of the anti-biblical doctrine that's smuggled in there? You know, this is referred to as sexual agency, mm -hmm. which is rooted in sexual promiscuity, mm -hmm. a.k.a. fornication. Yes. For more on fornication, go to our episode. Yes, yes, we got a whole episode just on fornication. So, before moving on forward, I want to say that we're going to read an excerpt from the University of Chicago Press Journals. Uh, the excerpt is called, this article is called Judging Women's Sexual Agency Contemporary Sex Wars in the Legal Terrain of Prostitution and Polygamy by. Um, see, I, tell, I said I wasn't going to say it, but then. Man, it got me off. the The link will be provided in the the show. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this, but um. Anyways, so <laughs> uh, what, what inception? Once an idea planted is there. But anyways, here it goes. So again, I'm I'm paraphrasing some of this stuff. So it's not like a complete literal reading. I'm trying to make a point. The feminist sex wars have been criticized for offering two reductionist positions, one among radical feminists who view existing so structures of sexuality as products of male domination that are dangerous for women, the other among sex-positive feminists who embrace subversive sexuality as a means to undermine patriarchy. One, on the dangerous side, Catherine McKinnon argues that our culture is one of pervasive sexual dominance of women. All she quotes, all women 
live in sexual objectification the way fish live in water. The question is, what can life as a woman mean? What can sex mean to targeted survivors in a rape culture? End quote. And then as some citations here, I'm not going to read them on air, but they will be in the uh, description, the link description. Um, so I'm just kind of just showing you on air where I get these citations from. Or these are, these are citations that were cited in the article that I just read. But um, sexual objectification actually has some truth to it. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about what uh, Catherine McKinnon said. She said that all, quote, all women live in sexual objectification the way fish live in water, end quote. Mm. Does that make you think of something? Yes, it does. <laughs> we talked about it recently. We're going to talk about it today. Yeah. So it's kind of like going back to the Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. when Jesus is talking about if you even look at somebody with lust in your eyes, you've already committed adultery. Yes. All right. And he so, was talking to a lot of people that day. He understood the mind of man. He's talking to 5,000 yes. men first. Yes. Plus women and children, but mm-hmm. that's kind of un, 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 you know, unnumbered. Yeah, we don't you know, know you know, it's so, some, some estimates up to 10,000 or 8,000 or, or whatever. But point is, he's talking to 5,000 men first right saying that if you look at a woman if you objectify a woman you know you already committed sin worthy of death Mm -hmm. stop doing it stop doing it we live in a culture that pushes that i mean commercials oh man movies even supposed to be uh christian movies Mm -hmm. it's it's everywhere man it's it's pervasive Yes. Sex sells. Yes. Sir. Otherwise, you wouldn't have pornography. Exactly. Or sex trafficking. Yep. And all the other mess filth out, out there right now. But it's, mm-hmm. yeah. So she's not wrong there. So one thing we want to make sure we do on this show, we always want to make sure we parse out truth and par- parse out truth from error, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes we get into this idea of, oh, it's all bad or, oh, it's all good. Like life is complex. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no silver bullets to a lot of things out there. And we don't want to just come off as we're just hammering something, you know, or painting with a broad stroke, what I'm trying, really trying to say, you know, but we're really go taking the time to parse out some truth from error. So, yes, what she's saying here has some teeth to it. Right. You know, like men do typically objectify a woman. Absolutely. Right. And, and, you don't have to look very far to see that we, we know this as men because was it and i'm gonna ask you and maybe if you don't give the right answer this i'm in trouble now what's up what is one of the first things that a male will say when uh he introduces uh this woman that he's attracted to and wants to pursue oh it's my girl okay maybe i didn't ask you right <laughs> Maybe my <laughs> anyway, what was up? She looks good. Oh, okay. I thought you got that. Yeah. She looks good. That's one of the first things in order. She looks good. So that's, therefore, she's my girl. She looks good. <laughs> so, yeah. It, 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 that even frustrates me, too. And I'll be like, that's the first thing you thought about mm-hmm. in pursuing this woman. How she looks. Oh, that's she got this. Oh, she got these features. The first thing you thought about. You on the road to disaster. Mm. <laughs> I'm thinking of some of the songs right now that I grew up listening to that are just, you know, shouldn't teenagers and kids shouldn't be listening to these songs. Mm. But it just just gets in under your under your skin, under your fingernails, and it just affects your entire psyche, right? And you think that, you know, this is this is just because it's normative, it's been made to be normative doesn't mean it's correct or right or it should happen you haven't observed no character you haven't it's just so much it's so much (laughs) so so we can keep hitting that we we could keep hitting that point but you know fact of the matter is she's not wrong about that yeah right now there are some problems with sexual agency that we're going to get into from a biblical standpoint that is you know number one it is rooted in anti-family sentiment mm-hmm. by denouncing the family's patriarchal, the father's patriarchal role in the giving of a bride. And we see this in Genesis 2.22. Mm-hmm. And also another thing is that 
You can't cut down a tree of moral depravity by whacking at the leaves. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by that? To believe that rape culture is rooted in patriarchy is to misdiagnose the issue. But the root of the issue is found in Romans one eighteen through 36. That is the denial of God and the worship of the creature instead of the creator. Yes. Sin is the source. Sin is the source. Sin is the root. You know, denial of God, worshiping idols. That's the root of the problem. That's the root of why men objectify women. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not rooted in patriarchy. That's no. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Not from a biblical standpoint. It's not just a man issue. I was having a, a conversation <clears throat> with a young lady not too long ago. And she was like, yeah, and you see these men raping women in the Bible. And then I was like, you know, men got raped in the Bible, too. She's oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I talked to her, but she's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, it is a sin it, issue. It, it's a sin <laughs> issue because what he's referring to is, is, is a lot and the story yeah. a lot. I'm not going to go into that right yeah. now. But, um, yeah, like, go, go, go back and do your homework. Yeah. You know, get into your Bible. We're not going to spoon feed you all the answers, yeah. you know. <laughs> Get but uh, the Bible, then you can stand somewhere. Yeah, yes, you know. But anyways, so point number two: the problem with sexual. Second problem with sexual agency is that it's rooted in sexual immorality mm-hmm. by arguing for consensual sex outside of marriage. Again, we relate that foundation in Genesis, right? Mm-hmm. So again, I'm not going to just belabor that point because we have several episodes about that very point. Right. You know, you can't, the means have to justify the ends, mm-hmm. you know. Sexual immorality will lead you down a road to uh, worse and gross sexual sin anyway. Yes. And so you're saying that we're not doing this over here, but we're doing this, which can still lead me to a point of doing this over here. You cannot <laughs> scoop fire into your lap and not think you're only burned. It, it it don't work like that. You oh. know, there's no such thing as, as a cold fire. Mm. Like that's like saying there's a such thing as a square circle. Mm-hmm. I, I like to and a lot of people do put things biblically under trees. There are different trees. Mm-hmm. Sexual immorality is a tree. Yep. And there are different fruits on there, right? Oh yeah. Rape is one of them. But also fornication is one. Yep. If you're eating off that same tree, you might end up grabbing a different fruit on that tree. It's, it's still it's still gonna die. It's still gonna kill you. Exactly. You know, rotten fruit is rotten fruit. Rotten fruit is rotten fruit. So we're gonna talk a little bit about the objections of the me too movement right and again we are not here to invalidate the experience of rape survivors in any way but we, what we want to do is explore some of the objections to the me too movement from a biblical perspective mm-hmm. so again i'm going to read an excerpt this is coming from the georgetown law law journal when the title is when you're a star the Unnamed Wrong of Sexual Degradation by Daniel Magan. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. If I'm not, then I'm going to get corrected. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that, that's an insider joke, and you don't even know about that one. Um, anyways, what he says in the article is, objections to the Me Too, objections to Me Too appeared soon after the magnitude of its effects became evident. As Me Too allegations produce more and more public and legal consequences. Now, in the article, he wrote it's four, but due to time constraints and because I saw some overlap, I'm just reducing it down to two criticisms that have been been often put forth in response to the Me Too movement. So, number one, some people criticize Me Too for seeking to rob interpersonal relations of a cherished degree of sexual promiscuity. I don't even need to hit that too long because that just goes back to fornication and what the point we already made about that. Like mm-hmm. it's you, you, you can't argue in favor of one thing while committing sin at the same time. Mm-hmm. All right. And it goes back to just the problem of sexual agency. So moving on. The second main criticism, this is a real big one here. The second main criticism is other critics protest Me Too's failure to conform to the established paradigms of sexual wrongdoing 
and its disregard of the legal fact-finding procedures. Along with being concerned about due process, some are dismayed by the Me Too's ostensible failure to uphold the distinctions between criminal and non-criminal behavior and between forms of criminal wrongdoing. As Professor Deborah Rode writes of the treatment of the former Senator Al Franken, for instance, and I quote, if we lose com the capacity to draw those distinctions, we risk alienating the constituency that needs convincing. The rage that is driving me too, if unchecked, could also could undermine it as well, end quote. Despite the decades-long predominance of the discrimination paradigm in the legal arena, Professor Schultz cautions that most Me Too allegations and media outlets that echo them seem to adhere to a narrower definition of harassment centered around unwanted sexual overtures or more specifically sexual forms of abuse, as Schultz warns. Quote, this purely sexual lens represents a step backwards, not forward. End quote. That's a lot there. Yeah, that's a lot. You know, but to summarize it, in other words, not not all harassment is sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. A clear distinction needs to be made between sexually motivated harassment and discrimination based harassment. Mm -hmm. You know, again, this goes back to talking about Ephesians 4.14, you know, being able, not being able, not being blown about by every wind of doctrine and, and teaching that's, you know, so clever that it seems like truth, right. right? So when we're talking about distinctions between criminal and non-criminal behavior, great harm is done to people on both sides mm -hmm. when we associate all gross and sexual mischievous behavior as criminal behavior now don't get me wrong don't misunderstand me while all sexual mischievous behavior is immoral yes and ought to be shamed yes not all sexual mischievous behavior is criminal absolutely right and that's really the thing you know there is such a high bar for criminal um adjudication that oftentimes it, it it doesn't meet the threshold you know when you bring forth accusations and a lot of what the me too movement does is try to get to that criminal accusation status that criminal uh adjudication but it's such a high bar to reach that no nobody actually sees justice so it ends up shooting itself in the foot that if you want to achieve justice, this not this is not the the statistically proven path right. to that. You know, it's a it's a media effective path. It's a great money maker. You know, you could raise a lot of money doing that, but in the end, you know, once it's all said and done, and the media news cycle is gone, what you end up with is you still have broken women who have now have broken lives. And been paraded all through throughout the media, mm -hmm. who are probably even more broken now because they had their name drugged through the through the mud, you know. And now they still have no justice. They're still in the same spot, all right. Um. Mm -mm. So yes, like I said, some of what the Me Too movement has done in the past is conflate the two, you know, that is criminal and non-criminal behavior. Um, by ascribing criminal accusations to non-criminal behavior, right. which harmed the reputation of Me Too and Mars named individuals sometimes in irreparable ways. Right. right? Um, yeah, so wisdom is needed to avoid jumping to hasty conclusions. Another thing is, this is why we go back to mentioning um, how to uh, getting getting um perspective right in that documentary audrey and daisy um i don't remember exactly which one committed suicide to be honest i'm misremembering somebody going to correct me on the comments but point is one of the the parents one of the things the parents wanted to do was or at least was advised to do legally 
again, I'm not a lawyer, a consult your lawyer for any kind of legal advice. Um, but I'm just, I'm just telling what happened in this story, right? So in this story, in the context of this story, it made sense for them to settle out of court and not, and not go for a criminal conviction. But you know what happened after that? They were able to get more out of the perpetrators in terms of more cooperation from the perpetrators once they know that their entire lives are not in jeopardy. I'm not saying it's right or right or whatever, but what I am saying is that they the the perpetrators were then um they they were willing to listen to um survivor impact statements right they were even for a documentary for Audrey and Daisy they then had to um they then had to agree to appear on that documentary mm -hmm. so that we can get that story mm -hmm. otherwise we wouldn't get it wow all right so so now they have some measure of justice wow. all right right or wrong make your own decision about it but the point I'm getting at is you can get to some sense of healing by considering the non-criminal adjudication route, right? And again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not professing to be one. Mm -hmm. Consult your lawyer first. Do not take legal advice from me. But I'm just saying that this is what I've seen in his videos and it makes sense, right? Um, so again, we're going to leave off on some wisdom. Um, or before leaving off, we're going to touch on some wisdom. All right. Proverbs 1911. Reading this from the New American Standard Version. I like the way this one worded it. All right. <laughs> A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. Mm -hmm. Now, we ain't talking about rape here. We shouldn't overlook that. No. You know, but some form of sexual harassment, some form of. Oh, he just in my personal space, you know, you know, be that as it may use wisdom. You know, I'm not going to tell people what to do in certain situations because I don't know what I would do in certain situations. But what I will say is use wisdom, be right. slow to anger, you know, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. How you interpret that in that moment, I'll leave that open you know i'm not sitting here gonna because there's there's a million different circumstances out there and there's, there's no way you can parse through all of them um proverbs 16 32 again from the new american standard version or bible he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city self-control mm what self-control yeah oh i can capture a whole city but i'm just gonna chill mm. you know and then we see again in proverbs 21 14 this one from the new living translation a secret gift calms anger and a bribe under the table pacifies fury and this is kind of what i was talking about when i'm talking about audrey and daisy in that film is you know settling out of court Right. And and not not trying to bring a criminal accusation because it's criminal accusations in rape cases are statistically extremely hard. I won't say impossible, but they're extremely hard. Yeah, you saw what happened with the woman that caught the FBI. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened. Veto. Nothing happened. So, again, consult with your lawyer, you know, and see if that's a viable option for you. You know, but we just want to make that case because some people don't even know. Some people just, you know, again, with the Me Too movement being that it is, its focus is on criminal behavior and criminal adjudication. And that's not always the case when it comes to most rape cases. You know, so what ends up happening is although you're trying to champion for justice, the method by which you're going about it is not bringing about justice. So we just want to make that clear. Huh. So yeah, that's a long episode, but man. Again, all sexual immorality is sin. Mm -hmm. So we're not sitting here, you know, trying to invalidate anything, right. right? We're not trying to downplay anybody, you know. We're 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 certainly not trying to downplay sexual mischief as you know, quote boys will be boys, right? right. Not no, we're not doing that, mm -hmm. you know, because 
you know, boys would be boys uh, uh wind uh, one of them boys up behind bar. Mm-hmm. Because their parents or, was allowing them to just be out there and do whatever, and they got invincible in mind and ended up pulling a rape situation. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I'm just going to have my way. I'm just going to do this on the third. Because I'm the man. I'm going to be the man. Yeah. Yep. You know, I'm going to get some. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, Ephesians 5, 3 through 14 says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you, church. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, or even coarse jokes, mm-hmm. right? Things you do with your hands. I'm not even going to attempt to do that. Like, I, I know some things. I was a sailor. You're not getting anything past me, okay, teenagers? Like, I, I probably I probably know pretty much all of it, probably done most of it, mm-hmm. okay? So, yeah, I, I know what goes on. Um but yeah, so the point is, all sexual immorality is sin. Mm-hmm. You know, just making a little joke over here on the side. Oh, this is a harmless little joke. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. Again, just going back to the garden, the heart thing, the, the words that you say, the things that you speak, the things that you think, the things that you watch, all of these things can fuel the sexual immorality. Yes. You know, there you'll have an individual who's like, why can I escape the sexual immorality? I'm constantly praying to the Lord. Well, what are you watching? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Who are you hanging out with? You know? and, and we get it. Like we mentioned before in, um, and how to guard your heart and your eyes and your ears, stuff like that. And how, especially with your ears, it's particularly hard. You can't just like click a switch and turn your ears off. Yeah. All right. But for things that are within your control, yeah, absolutely. You have the power to control them. Yeah. I realized almost immediately after I got saved, I can't worship God listening to Wu Tang. Mm-hmm. I got to turn this off, mm-hmm. you know, and I did. All right, so it, it's it's you have the power to control what you can control and what you can't control. You got to give it to God. Mm-hmm. The next thing is the gospel is really the cure. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, a patriarchal system. That's oppressing women, oppressing people. It may seem that way because it is the guy, it is the man in charge doing that. In a lot of situations, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna minimize that, right? right? But at the same time, what I'm saying, what we are saying is that that's not the root of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something else going on behind the scene. Just because that man, more more likely that man in most situations is not submitted to Christ. Absolutely. Right. You know, if you believe that there's no eternal consequences for your sins then you're going to continue to do them and then you have no consequence when you die. You know, if you have this idea of, okay, when I die, I'm not going to go to sleep for eternity or I'm just going to come to nothingness, then morality is of no use. Morality just becomes a joke. Then what's the point? Right. So I'm I'm definitely going to address this different views of eternity, too, because it stems from. It, um, from Ecclesiastes 3.11, eternity is written on our hearts. We all have some view of eternity, right? Mm-hmm. And having the correct view of eternity will make you then have the correct view of life currently, presently, right? From chapter 1, they, rather than serving the creator, they serve themselves. Yep. And that's how you get into a situation like that. Christ is not considered. We are considered. We 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 get what we want. We were just looking at that previous scripture, and it talked about they are greedy for idolatry. Mm-hmm. Their idol is themselves. You know, I'm yep. gonna get what I want. I'm gonna have what I want to have. You know, so the answer is the gospel. Yeah, it really is. The answer is also the gospel for the healing as well. Yes. People who have been uh, scarred and people who are going through and feel like, you know, uh, this is the end of the world. I have nothing. Yeah, there are things out there that can console and comfort that person. But ultimately, we serve a, a Lord who is about mending hearts yep. and fixing situations and putting you in the community where you have the individuals to help you get past that. Yes. Chapter six, bear one another's burdens. Mm hmm to do that yeah you will know them by the love that they have for one another yes you know at the end of the day we serve a good god 
So again, repentance and forgiveness must be honored. If someone had done things in the past and has since repented of their sins, mm -hmm. then forgiveness must be extended to that individual, especially if the information is new to you. Because sometimes someone might have done something 10 years ago and you're just not finding out about it. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're they're holy ghost sanctified and saved and running around saving people, doing the actual ministry of the of the Lord, but then their past comes up. Mm -hmm. And it's like they gotta and now and now they that they gotta and now everyone's up in arms about, Oh, you let this guy over here, but he really is repentant. You Absolutely. know, and and, and you know you, now, you you and I, as we're recording right right now, there may be an individual that watches and we might have been in whatever type of situation with the individual. We could have said something crazy to him, and it's like, oh yeah, there's a uh, Raymond. He's on there. Oh yeah, he did mm -hmm. such and such, or he had this guy here. Yeah, you're listening exactly. to this guy. Exactly. And as believers, I am not who I was ten years ago. No, <laughs> man, who I was five years ago. Not even a year ago. Like, not oh my God, ago. like. Right. Look, anything that, like Lauren Hill said it best, anything that isn't changing and growing is dead. And I ain't dead. I ain't dead yet. So I'm going to continue to grow and change. You're going to be alive forever. <laughs> yes, sir. So in, um, in American culture, we have a bad habit of unforgiveness. And we're not, we're not here to say forgiveness is easy because nothing about Christianity is easy. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. AKA pick up your instrument of death and follow me to death. So there's nothing there's nothing easy about Christianity. Right. Forgiveness is not easy. No. You know, loving your enemy is not easy. But that's what but that's what we're commanded to do. I mean that's I'll get into that later. But um that's when people try to dismiss the validity of the Bible, but they don't dismiss the validity of the claims. I'm like that are antithetical to culture. Mm -hmm. Right, culture says hate my enemies. Mm -hmm. Jesus says love my enemies. Mm -hmm. Why would, why would anybody try to like that? That wouldn't sell. Right. If you're just trying to market that to somebody, right. like it feels good to hate my enemies. Yes. It feels good to cut them down. It feels good to cuss them out in traffic. Mm -hmm. You know, like why would why should I love my enemies? Nothing. That, that's not a good feeling. That's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. So. I'll get into that later, but yeah. total total sidebar. I'm total sidebar. You almost fooled me. In. <laughs> but this doesn't excuse what we're saying is so, so when we're talking about forgiveness and repentance, right? It does not exclude excuse the individual from the consequences or restrictions of past transgressions. In yes. much the same way, if someone causes a person death because of drinking and driving. Not only will there be restrictions placed on a driving license, but also on their drink liquor license. You can't go out and be a bartender if you're running around getting liquored up, killing people. Mm -hmm. Right? Much the same way, if you're a sexual predator and you actually repent, you truly in your heart repent of these things, you put them away, you're not doing them more, great. You're not Good on you. You're not working with the kids. You're not working with the kids at the church. Love you, but those restrictions are going to remain in place. Mm -hmm. And Proverbs talks about... Um, I want to say that when it was dealing with adultery, it talks about the shame. It's a lifelong shame. That's yeah. With you. And there are some sins that you do commit that the, you are forgiven. You have repented. We are called to have compassion and love you. But there are restrictions that you have and that shame is going to follow you. And it's not so much as just trying to. Um, make you feel bad no. right for things that you've done in the past that again you're truly heartfelt repented of but it's trying to keep you from temptation right your accountability should lead you to a point where you don't even want to put yourself in a situation exactly you may do what you did in the past if you're a recovering alcoholic you shouldn't be having a bible study in the bar that's just ludicrous right, right? so same thing here Reminds me of 101 Dalmatians. Corella had a Dalmatian problem. Nah. Do not get back to uh, being around those dogs. <laughs> oh, man. We've cured them. <laughs> all right. Killing them again. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, that's about all we got. So we want to leave off with if some, some resources. If you've been affected by sexual assault, you are not alone. At Rain, that is R A I N N. 
provides free confidential support 24-7 at online.rain.org. Again, the links will be in the description for you if you're listening on the podcast or have to try to write this down. Um, again, they provide free counseling 24-7 to support support for survivors of sexual assault and, and their loved ones, too, mm. because it doesn't just affect the main victim, but it affects everyone else surrounding them, too, in multiple ways, right? You call the hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE, and again, you can visit them online. But um, again... That's our show for today. It's your host, Ray Tucker. Jay Jones. And hit that link. Hit the subscribe. If this reaches you and, and you know it you know it can reach someone else, you know, hit the share button. Mm-hmm. Um, ring thumbs. that bell. Hit that thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Um, join our Patreon community, um, if you so please. We would will, will love to have you. We would love to pray with you and know more about you. And our private community where it is a safe space to be able to share your stories and, and you know, talk about the word of God in a safe space without, you know, um, fear of retaliation and stuff like that. Um, and also, if you're a part of our community, you know, we'll take your feedback on episodes more seriously and we'll um, vote up good ideas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we might actually make episodes based on, you know, ideas, mm-hmm. right, that you put forth. Right. And there's also a bunch of merch and stuff like that, too, that come with it. So go check it out. The links will be provided in the description. We we are on every podcast platform there is out there. So go check us out wherever you get your podcast. Uh, check us out on social media, on Instagram. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, and we will see you next time. All right, so be safe out there. Yep.